everybody. Welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron. I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we're your hosts. Hello. Hi. How you been, Clayton? I've been good. We've been really banking these episodes where I feel like I see you for like, you know, six hours and yeah. then it goes like three weeks and I don't I, see you. I know. It's weird. Yeah. But I, I, I still think we, once we sit down, we're in the flow. Oh, yeah. It doesn't, we're back... Like PB&J. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so this week we read Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert. We got a very enthusiastic email um, from Claire V basically saying we had to read this book. Uh, and I said, yeah, let's do it. Because this is a book that has is came out last year. And normally we don't do books that are this like come out around the same time but it feels like everyone read this book everyone loved it it um so 2019 i looked at 2019 and i said oh this year it's not this year it's it's 2020 so this was an interesting before we get into judge a cover you know we, we we buy the books that we read yeah and most of the romance novels that we buy i know we do a lot of kindle i do a lot of kindle just because it's the easiest thing for our schedules because we're always running around so you need to be mobile not that you couldn't bring a paperback but it's well and also a lot of bookstores don't carry romance that's so it's a lot easier we wouldn't necessarily be able to get everything if we wanted to buy it hardcover true or uh, whatever softcover yeah so the thing that struck me about this book was that it was 10.99 and most of the books that we buy are around the Two ninety nine to seven ninety nine range. Does that sound right? Yeah. And I was thinking about this because when I bought this book, no offense to this book, but when I saw that price point, I got a little irritated. <laughs> and I was thinking about this that I buy a lot of books, and I'll buy Kindle books, and if they're on the newer side, they will be around that price. That. Fourteen ninety nine to ten ninety nine. That's not weird to pay for a book, and it made me think about romance and how it's usually priced at a lower price, and that might be because a lot of romance readers are voracious, so they read a lot of them. But there was something about it that seemed, and I don't know how you feel about this, marginalizing in a way. Not to go crazy with it, mm-hmm. but when a certain genre is priced at a certain point and then other things are priced higher, it feels like there's a certain hierarchy implicit in that. Now, I might just be going crazy. Mm-hmm. What is your thought on that? Um, I think that, well, the first thing is this is a very new book. So I don't know if they just sort of price it higher because it's new. But also with the trend of like the cartoon covers, I feel like there's a trying to like almost like neuter romance and then push it into women's fiction so that you can then charge a higher price point. Which is what it is, I guess. I don't know. It's like I'm ne- I'm never going to be mad at an author being paid more. That's always a plus and that's always a good thing. So, you know, if this means that Talia gets a bigger paycheck, then I think it's great. But, um, you know, I don't love... It's part of the reason why I'm not, like, a huge fan of the cartoon covers, even though, like, this is a very cute cover. But I feel like it's 
trying to hide romance or slip romance in or make people be like, you should be ashamed of reading those kinds of romance books, but you can feel safe reading these kinds of romance books, which I don't like because it feels like shamey in a way. Um, so I don't know if maybe that has something to do with it. Well, because a lot of a lot of romance novels are the mass market paperbacks, right. which are the smaller ones, the ones that you would find in an airport or something. Where this one is uh, more of a gen- genuine soft cover that you would find anything else come in. So that I think there's price point differences there too. But yeah, it's like you said, is these this kind of book, the Kiss Quotient, I think is a similar kind of book in the in the the size of the paperback that it came out in the the cover cartoon cover and i don't think the price was as high but i think it was on the higher end of the stuff that we had Mm -hmm. done at that point so it is just interesting i don't know uh it'd be an interesting thing to you know talk about on the troop our facebook group and see what people think about that it's it's it was just interesting to me because i think this is the most expensive book that we've had to buy Mm. don't you think yeah i mean i don't i don't know that i was you don't look at the price tag (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> must be nice. I just had to move some money around in order to, to read this book. That so. 1099? Yeah, it really was, you know, one of those things. I had to dip in, <laughs> dip into some, no, some savings. I, no, I mean, I just think I don't like clock. I think when I saw that it was 11, uh, 1099, I was also like a little bit surprised. But also I don't remember thinking particularly how much other books were. Okay. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, 11 bucks. It's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. So, well, enough of that. Yeah. Let's judge a cover. Let's judge a cover. I was maybe going mean, to say it, but... Oh, sorry. It's, I don't think it matters who says it now, right? No. I People know it's coming out. This is what you're going to hear next is judging a cover. Um, well, you know my thoughts already on cartoon covers. For a cartoon cover, though, it's cute. We have... Uh, Chloe's there, Red's there, and it's like jean jacket. They look very cute together. Smudge, Smudge is there. Smudge made it. Smudge was my favorite character. Or no, I liked Chloe and Red, obviously, but then Smudge was my favorite animal character. It's fun if you like Smudge. I loved Smudge. Um, what did what did Smudge do to make you like him? Right? Because it turned no her her because it turned out to be a her. I know she was just a cute cat. And I like that she was just like in the tree, made Chloe go up to get her and then was like, yeah, I could go down anytime, but I don't want to. Well, that's... And was just like a nice friend to her. I think it's, yeah, I love Smudge. So. If they, there was like, I was getting nervous. We spoiled the book. So we're spoiling the book now. I was like, if we end this book and Smudge has not come back into Chloe's life, I will truly start flipping tables. But thankfully in the epilogue, Smudge is back. Oh, that was, it was that important to you. Yeah. Wow. I just You just are not an animal I'm, person. I, I'm not. I'm not. Smudge made almost the thing that Smudge did was create a save a literal save the cat situation <laughs> for our hero and our heroine. Yeah. And that's what Smudge was to me. Smudge was a plot point. But to get back real quick to the cover, cute. Yeah. That's really what a lot of these cartoon covers are. Cute. And I guess as it's so weird because as now a romance reader, and I feel I'm maybe able to say that now after, what, 60-some episodes <laughs> and, and bonus episodes, I would look at this and not necessarily pick it up 
because it doesn't look like romance to me. That's my yeah. This looks like women's fiction to me, which is fine. Which is great, and yeah. there might be women's fiction that I love too. That's that's another whole thing that I could get into, but this does not smack of romance to me. So as a romance reader, I wouldn't necessarily, if I'm scanning the bookshelves, unless I'd heard of this, I wouldn't pick it up. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's weird. Say what you will. Yeah. Overall, a good cover. But yes. maybe just not broadcasting everything that you would want to broadcast. Yeah. So we got into the smudge of it all, but let's, what was the book about? Well, according to you, it was all smudge all the it time. Was just, it was about a cat named Smudge. Yeah. Uh, so this book is about Chloe Brown is our heroine, and she comes from a rich family. Mm-hmm. She is a web designer who decides to move out on her own because she was living at her family's big house. And what precipitates that is she almost gets hit by a car. And her life flashes before her eyes, and she thinks, what would this life be? It'd be nothing. I need to get a life. Mm -hmm. She moves to this building and meets Redford Morgan, known as Red, because of his name and also because he is a ginger. He's a straight-up ginger, right? Very, very, very red. He shows up. And he is an artist, but he hasn't really been showing his paintings. So he is working as the handyman in order to live there. And his buddy owns the building. So they run into each other. It's dislike at first. Then, obviously, they come around to each other and they fall in love. Now, the thing that separates this book is that our heroine, Chloe, has fibromyalgia. Did I say that right? No, I did not. Fiber, what is it? Don't laugh at me. <laughs> fibromyalgia. Yeah, that's bad. Okay. Yeah, fibromyalgia. Was it because I said it so slow? <laughs> it's like you said it so slow and carefully and still messed said it, it up. Wrong. <laughs> right. So I'm keeping it in because we all make mistakes. So she has chronic pain. And it's been holding her back from living the life that she's really wanted. And she's decided no longer because I could just get hit by a car tomorrow, literally. So that is, I think, what separates this book from a from I don't want to say run of the mill uh, contemporary, but it's, it's unique to any of the books that we've read, because that is something that is touched upon. And really infuses the character with a different point of view than most of the heroines or heroes that we've dealt with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a heroine with a chronic illness we haven't seen before. I think I've read books, but I don't think for the podcast. Um, yeah, so it was. It, it's interesting to sort of have to exist through that like haze. And I think this was like particularly connected with me because I have been having like extreme back pain since the beginning of the summer and I've had like MRIs and luckily like it's something that can show up medically. Like I have like a sciatic pain and a slip disc and everything, but it, I have been thinking a lot lately about how pain and the avoidance of pain has affected so much of my life. Um, and how hard it is to also like talk about it or talk about it with people that I know would be okay with it. How much like, 
I'll be sitting across from somebody having dinner and I'll be in excruciating pain and just having to like try to ignore it to just pay attention to the person in front of me and how difficult that can be, how, you know, I I haven't been able to be as creative as I want to be or or work on projects that I wanted to work on because the pain is just overwhelming. And if you can't, if you can't be comfortable, you can't be creative. It's impossible or very, very difficult. So that is just like a little bit of what somebody suffering from a chronic pain disorder has to experience. I'm not saying it's on the same level, but um, it really made me appreciate the way that that was handled within the book. And I really connected to that a lot of sort of, because for her, it's, it's very difficult because it's like fibromyalgia is a disease that is, you know, a lot of some people say it doesn't exist. It's, it's, Pain is really difficult because you can't necessarily see pain. Um, And so that she was always on different meds and trying to get the right meds. And some meds make her foggy. So sometimes you're like, well, I would rather be foggy and out of pain. But sometimes you're like, well, I need to be sharp. And that means me being in pain. And you always have to make those sort of decisions. You know, and it's really difficult. And I think it shows like an immense amount of bravery to be in that moment and then be like, no, I still want to make a life. And I still want to push myself. And I still want to make things happen for myself, which is what she does. And you always admire a character for doing that. Because she had a gentleman who she was with thomas correct is that Mm -hmm. his name and he left because she got pneumonia and then she started having symptoms after that of fibromyalgia or they didn't know they didn't know what was wrong she was in pain he didn't necessarily believe her we didn't believe her and then her friends who were her good time friends who they used to go out and hang out and just have fun didn't have time for her after that because she was a drag to them in their eyes. Mm -hmm. So she got very isolated. And we meet her after all that's happened. She's kind of built a wall. The interesting thing about this character, too, is that she is kind of a brat, but not because of that. She's a separate she's a separate character from her illness in that even if she didn't have pain, she would still be snooty because she's a snoot. Oh, yeah. She's a brat. But brat recognized brat. Yeah. Brat. So yeah. and you like this. You love this book, right? Yeah. OK. It does it have a lot to do with the brattiness. It does not have anything to do with the brattiness. <laughs> Whenever I see a fellow brat in literature, I'm like, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah, I get where you're coming from. So Red is a guy who has class issues because he's not doesn't come from money. Well, I think we should also what we maybe haven't said is this all takes place in England. Yeah, and you know, at first I wasn't sure. Yeah. Just because the language was interesting, the way it was written. At first I was like, "Oh yeah, it's it's England." And then there was weird things they would say that I was like, "Is it though? Is it New Zealand or something?" I couldn't I couldn't really tell because I don't read synopsis of books other than when we do our preview and then it just escapes my head. That's insane to me. I don't read the back of the book because I want to be surprised. No, but they don't. Well, yeah. But they were talking about flats and all these things. So I, I figured out that it was the UK. Well, also, I just know that Talia Hibbert is British. And she has fibromyalgia as well. I don't know if she has fibromyalgia. Did, did you read I that? believe she does. I read in the back of the book that when she all her thanks and 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 things like that that she mentioned maybe she doesn't have that but she has chronic pain uh-huh. of some sort okay so that this is her story she's telling her story and i think she was able to tell her story in a way that was still entertaining and 
touched on the illness, but it wasn't the main focus. Because really, the reason why she does creates this list and she creates a list, which I like as a form for these kind of books, because it gives you those bullet points where you can think, oh, this is going to be a fun scene where they go camping. This is going to be a fun scene where they go out to a bar. But then there was things that took you away from where you thought it was going to go. So, for example... She writes on her list, go get drunk, have fun, something like that. And they go, hit red in her, and it's not as fun as she remembered it being with her friends. It kind of bummed her out. But then Red takes her to this gallery, gallery and it's all, it shows this whole different side of him, or at least more of the side that we haven't gotten to see of him, and they bond through that, which I thought was really good because it's a misdirection. The camping was fun just because it was fun to see. It's, it's fun to see characters out of their normal reality. And camping is always something that can create situations. But I like yeah. the list they banged aspect. it out in a tent. Which is great. And he's like, he, he said, I, I brought a, I brought a blow-up mattress. I'm not going to screw you on the ground like an animal. <laughs> but And there was mention of, too, going camping for somebody with chronic pain is a nightmare. Because you can't you can only control so much in your regular life but you're sleeping in a tent you're on a mattress you're eating different food it's it's a nightmare but she did it because she wanted to have a life which i thought was really really uh awesome yeah something that i really liked about this book too that i think is really hard to do and hard to get right is this book starts at the exact right moment it should have started where I think a less skilled author might have, like, had a whole chapter of her being at home and us getting introduced to every member of her family and all this stuff. This book starts with the accident, with her almost dying. So you are hooked. If It, it was an, an excellent cold open, and it was perfect. And I was like, yes, finally, somebody gets when to start it. Because, like, I'm in. This woman just survived something, and I want to see what happens to her. Um and the same thing with I thought Red was introduced at a really perfect time as well so just like the pacing of this I thought was really excellent and you could you know it's one of those things that we've talked about with like other books where maybe it took a while to get started and we didn't feel as comfortable with the author like within the first few pages I was like she got this like I can relax like this is going to be a well-told story because you know she knows what she's doing and she has good control and she knows that you know what she's doing she's a very good author very good writer well something else that i loved is like so chloe's a plus size heroine and she never really thinks about or worries about her weight ever it's never it's mentioned but not called out no and red too just finds her like incredibly like even when he doesn't like her at the beginning he still finds her like sexy and well, yeah, he she does come off pretty badly because anytime he sees her, she's doing something shitty. Well, he always comes at the end of something, like after some shitty thing has happened and she's like standing up for herself or she's well, being rude or she's exasperated. Someone opened her mail yeah. and she got so mad that she poured tea in the person's mail slot. You know what? That see, Do that, you think that person opened her mail again, though? 
<laughs> I, I, that's that is that is psychotic behavior. It is. That's a that's a bit much. That's a bit much. That's the stuff I think about doing, and then realize that's way too mean. Yeah, you need to have a better reaction to that. But so he saw that, and yeah, but he always thought she was pretty, and he was always intrigued by her. Yeah, I think the other interesting thing about Red is he had previously dated this like society woman, Pippa. Pippa. <laughs> Pippa, Jesus Christ, who sucked, who's awful, and who really was abusive to him. I've also never seen that called out so plainly in a book. Yeah, that was really interesting because this book does do the unique things in the sense that the chronic pain, but also that he is, Red is a hero that has dealt with domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. And he had the reaction that I think most guys do where if their significant other gets physical with them, they think, well, I'm a guy. I can handle it. So if she wants to hit me, it's it sucks, but I'm not going to say that I'm being abused. But then when you when he added it up, the physical abuse, the verbal abuse, it is domestic violence in in a way. I mean, it's not in a way it is. Well, then he sta- she stabs him with a fork to, that, like he's scarred. And that's assault. Yeah. So. But it's the in the guy's head. It's hard. Yeah. He thinks, well, I should be able to take any of this stuff. This this shouldn't be. I shouldn't feel. What am I doing that is making her upset enough to be this abusive? And you're embarrassed because you feel like, oh, I'm being abused by somebody probably smaller than you. And I think that's that was a weird thing. His admitting to that was a, a huge bold move for him as well. Yeah, and how much his ex-girlfriend, how much Pippa got into his head, too, where it really bled over into his relationship with Chloe, which I also thought was really real. Like, you take all of the past junk that you haven't dealt with with your past relationship into your next relationship, always. And, you know, he was afraid of really liking Chloe because he knew that she was high society. And I think, obviously, we have class in, in America, and but I think it's very different in the UK and like much more stratified and like, and I, it seems to be, there's not as much intermingling. Uh, so, you know, he was really afraid that then that was how Chloe was going to act as well. And he had to kind of have faith in, in her that she wouldn't act that way. But then anytime he didn't really have faith until the very end, because anytime she said anything, he would misinterpret it in a way that was like annoying as the reader, because you're like, come on, man, that's not what she means. But you understood from his point of view that, like, with his history, with constantly been putting down, constantly being told certain things about himself, that those words eventually become your inner monologue. And then you're unable to really um, free yourself from that when something else happens. And you jump to the worst conclusion possible when you have those low, that low self-esteem. And he's, like, coming out of an abusive relationship. Like, that's very heavy and that's very real. Do you think that Red was a good artist? Oh, I, or do you think he was just hot? <laughs> I mean, I definitely think he was hot. In my mind, he was very hot. Um, I think the art, art world is probably a lot of just really hot guys that are okay at painting. Yeah. I don't I don't know that she ever really explained what his paintings... But it's like really hard in a book also to explain paintings or any sort of art because you're like, all right. Yeah. Tell me it's good. Oh, it's good. Okay, then it's good. Oh, yeah. Like the assumption is that he has talent. Yeah. But... Does he really have talent? Is my thought. And I think probably not. Oh, Red. 
It's fine, though. He's hot. But you know what? He's going to marry a rich woman, and it's a great hobby for a kept person. I feel like art, any sort of creative endeavor, does have something to do with the artist, appearance-wise. Whether And it doesn't always have to be like someone being exceptionally hot. That's probably the easiest way. But there's also uniqueness. There's also youth and even being super old or or something that will or being someone who's poor and uneducated those are things that create a story behind art i think people have always wanted to know who made what and why and and being a hot redheaded dude with tats and silver rings probably didn't hurt him with the art scene well, and I think a lot of art is about who says that it's good art. And then everyone's like, you've so Pippa, his ex-girlfriend's father was like a big art dealer and he decided that he was good. And then Pippa sort of used that against him later. But so a lot of it is that, too. I think if you have somebody who's respecting the art world saying this is good art, then everyone sort of moves towards that as well. That's true. It is a herd mentality in a way. But there's yeah. one bull leading the charge was it abstract art who knows maybe i just didn't read it close enough i don't know what kind of art i don't know if he's doing like he wasn't doing like portraiture yeah i I bet it was like he's doing fruit balls (laughs) he's doing the old masters (laughs) he was doing uh dragon ball z characters but he painted them like the the last supper yeah he all the dragon ball z characters at the last supper he did. He did a. He did a Pikachu with like the change poster, like Obama had. It's very kitschy stuff. <laughs> I keep getting because the book I read right before that book, the the hero was also a artist, but he was really like big mixed material stuff. So I keep thinking it's that, but it's not. Yeah. I'm... No, he was a straight up painter. But cool thing in this book, which I'm a fan of, and I think you're a fan of too, is voyeurism. Mm-hmm. Because she peeked out of her, she could see from her window his window, and she saw him painting shirtless. Mm-hmm. So anything that he painted shirtless is gonna look good, I think. Yeah, because that's hot. Yeah, it's very hot. I would have paint all 100, over. One hundred. I would have like invited friends over to be like, my hot <laughs> super is painting again, girls. Let's get some wine. Pat, stay in the bedroom. Yeah. This is going to age me, and I wonder if you remember this commercial. Do you remember the Pepsi commercial with the the construction worker where he's shirtless, drinking a Pepsi, and all the girls in the office are looking out the window, and they're just no. getting wet for him? Mm. It's famous. I, I, I link in the show notes. I'm, if I can find this online. I'm sure you can. The only old one I remember is Cindy Crawford at the gas station. Yeah, so that this is the flipped sex version of that Mm -hmm. but that's what i think of all the time and that that's probably from 93 or something but that is my reference point to (laughs) any shirtless man (laughs) i think of that pepsi commercial and i think it was pepsi okay if it wasn't pepsi they did a bad job uh marketing but if it was pepsi they did an excellent was definitely pepsi yeah so i think this guy was pepsi as well Oh, voyeurism is always hot. So, I, and he also—I mean, the what like then made it hotter is he knew that she was watching. She didn't know he knew she could that she was watching. But there's a lot of public stuff in this book. They fuck, they fuck in the camping trip, 
and he fingers her mm-hmm. out in public. And a fountain. That was pretty hot, too. That was very hot. Yeah, it was cool. The sex is very good. I truly laughed out loud the first time he went down on her in her bedroom. He His phone dings, and he just picks it up, and he just throws it out of the room. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> At first, I read it as him throwing out the window, and I was like, Christ, Red, you will need that phone in like 20 minutes. But no, he just threw it out of the bedroom, and I was like, that is... Like, as much as uh, romance is ever wish fulfillment, like, that is wish fulfillment. That some guy would be so into going down on you that he is like, I don't need these distractions. And he would just destroy anything else in his way. I loved it. And I thought it was hilarious. I'll have to say that, like, initially, initially I was very glib about this book. Uh, I recall. Yeah. The thing about this show is it always makes me think more than I want to think about myself. (laughs) Because every other place in my life, I can just say, well, that's how I am and whatever. The fact that she had chronic pain, and it was not the central thing about the book, but it was definitely an element of that book, of this book that we're talking about. And I was like, "What, what, what are my feelings here? Because like, why am I being kind of dismissive of this? And the more I thought about it, because here's here's my pattern. My pattern is to lash out, not mm-hmm. not like yell or physical or anything like that, but be real. Just glib, I guess, is the best way. Just, you know, sarcastic, cynical, whatever. Yeah. But then those are always the things that there's something behind it. You don't react that way if you really just don't care. So I was thinking, too, because you were mentioning how you have back pain and how it's really difficult. And it's it's pretty invisible to anybody around you. And I mean, I have Tourette's, which is something that is I've kind of gotten under control as much as you can. But it's still a thing that I struggle with that nobody sees. But I've also had for the past couple years and I've always throughout my life, but it's gotten way worse. I think the older I got was like stomach issues like stomach pain, all these things that annoy me. And I want to say to myself, it's in your head. It's in your head. It's not real. You're being a baby. These are the things I say to myself. Mm -hmm. This isn't me saying this to other people. But I think the reaction I had to this book was, I I guess I don't want to say it's equivocal, of course, but I recognize myself in, in Chloe a lot because of that. In the sense, I have great friends, and they have not abandoned me. But you know, you sit here, and it's like, I can't eat this, I can't eat that. And I always play it off as a joke, because I'm a jokey guy. And I feel that softens the blow, and I can just be Goofy Clayton. Oh, what's the new diet he's on, and what's the exercise thing he's doing? But there's a lot that goes into that managing my freaking stomach that just doesn't want to eat anything or be in any situation. So I kind of really like felt for her, but also was judging myself while I was reading this because when, when it's so easy for me to think people are looking at me as a making things up like this diet that I'm on, I can't eat certain things and it's helped a ton. Like it's really like I fast now I do the intermittent fasting. I have a very specific diet and my stomach has, gotten way 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 better that's awesome but there's a lot of sacrifice and there's a lot of times that i have to tell people i can't eat 
what's at this place. I can't, and I never want to put people out, and I don't want to look weak. To me, being the age I'm at, growing up where I grew up, that's weakness. Those things that you can't see are weakness. Just suck it up, have a beer, eat pasta, do whatever. And it, and it, got, it gets in your head where you feel like, yeah, you're a wimp, and you either have to make fun of yourself for this or just don't mention it. And I think I got upset reading this book because I felt like here's somebody who's really owning this and I'm not owning my shit. Like I'll just make a joke of it because it's a joke to me, like my feelings and how I am feeling physically is a joke and it's not. And I think that was what I was confronting reading this book. And that was like pretty huge. So I think that's why at first when I when I reacted to this book, I was really kind of glib about it. And it was a defense mechanism. So, yeah, that's my deal. <laughs> and even that, see, I can't even just own it. Because yeah. still in my head, I'm going to think people are going to listen to this and they're going to think drama. He's being dramatic. And, and it, I can't get it out of my head. It's what I'm going to think. Yeah. And I'm going to listen to this when I edit this, and I'm going to want to edit it out. I hope you don't. I might. I don't know. (laughs) Because I don't want, even though I know that it's not weakness, I perceive it with myself as weakness, and it's hard to confront that. Yeah. Because I can see people like me rolling their eyes at this. I think for a long time people suffered from these invisible illnesses because it wasn't polite to talk about because people thought they'd feel weak because they didn't think they'd be believed. And I don't, that didn't help anything. So I think, you know, being open about having Tourette. And so now when somebody makes a glib joke about Tourette's, you can be like, well, Hey, I have it. And here's how it's affected me. And that makes it better for other people who have Tourette. Oh yeah. You know? And so I think for, for these sort of, you know, if it's a pain disorder or whatever it might be, the more that you talk about it or just honest about it, you know, this is me and this is what I have to deal with. You might be surprised what you hear from other people because, you know, had we not read this book, like I didn't know you were having these severe stomach or disorder uh, issues. Um, you know, you might be surprised sort of like what people say. And I think just like living your truth and being out in the open is always better. And it's always much less scary once you start doing it. I think people always are very afraid of what's going to happen, what people are going to say. But, I mean, knowing our listeners, I think people are going to be very kind. Because, in general, our listeners are very kind yes. and welcome and warm people. And they won't think less of you. But, like I said, I'm a guest at the romance party. So, I'm not used to parties like where people are party. nice. Yes, Th- those are not the parties that I hang out with. in. So, so uh, like I, that's that's my thing is that like the the other parties that I hang out at are not so open and 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 you know understanding of these things. Well, we'll keep it a secret just on this podcast. We won't tell anyone on the other podcasts. Well, of course not. No. Well, that other the other podcasts are all characters. This is the real me. Oh, of course, of yes, course, of course. But so so I do think at the end of the day, this book, I think, is very good because of she's a very good writer. Hot sex. And like you said, it starts where it needs to start. It ends where it needs to end. There is the they do have a miscommunication where he hears he she had put have meaningless hot sex on her list. 
And Red hears her talking to her sisters about how she put that on the list. And Red thinks that's him. And he freaks out. But then we know that it wasn't. And that's not what she meant. But then there's this whole thing of him trying to get her back and sending her presents and stuff like that. Which is by the books when it comes to these kind of things. And people like it. But I thought, you know, we've seen that done much more clumsily. Oh, absolutely. This really tracked for me like... Obviously, us reading it, knowing her feelings are like, that's an absurd thing to think. But it's like, he's a damaged person. He came to her as a damaged person who was working on himself just like she was working on herself. And, you know, it's really easy to go back into those old thought patterns. So when he heard that, he was like, yep, I love this girl, but there's no way she can love me just like Pippa couldn't love me. And I don't mean anything to her. And pretty quickly he caught on that that was not the truth. But he had reacted so. And then she also had the issue of Thomas abandoning her. And Red had said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to break her heart. I'm not going to do all these things. And then he turned on her and she had a reaction. So it's two damaged people, the worst possible thing happening to them, (laughs) and then them just retreating. Yeah. So, which was realistic. I mean, when it came back together and she opened the curtains to spy on him and he immediately turned around sensing she was there, I was like, Because oh. he made that he made a list of trying to get her back and one of the items was stand in front of my window, painting with my shirt on, whatever. <laughs> and she when she I was like, He's gonna be there. Of course he's gonna be there. Yeah. But yeah, that was cool. That was great. No, I think this was like a great book. I loved it. I understand why everybody else loved it and I loved it too. So I would say read it. Yes. Also, would you fuck them? Yes. Yes. I'm not a big ginger guy fan. That's okay. Well, that's crazy. He seems so fucking hot. Yeah. Like he could transcend the gingerness. I probably wouldn't fuck Red. All right. It depends. Is he covered in paint? Just his like hands. Maybe. Maybe if he's covered in paint. If he's got the overalls covered in paint, it like one one strap going down. Yeah, I'd do it maybe. Yeah, maybe then I would. Yeah, sure, I'd fuck them both. Yeah, me too. Yeah, they both sounded amazing. Yeah, Redford is my t- like before. Like when I started dating, I was dating all like punks and like guys with tons of tattoos and mohawks and stuff oh that's right he has all those tattoos i love it oh i don't like that oh the silver rings all right the silver rings are fine you don't have to want to fuck him rings are fine Mm -hmm. rings are great tattoos i don't know not so much i love tattoos chloe yes yes no goodreads list guys i'm sorry it's a new book everybody go put them on a list yeah start listing so I thought what could be fun to do instead is if we talked a little bit about what would be on our get-a-life list. Because Chloe makes a get-a-life list, mm-hmm. and she had travel with just a just a bag, but one a ham bag, luggage. ham luggage. Which, which I found it didn't, here's here's why it annoyed me. I didn't really understand why it needed to be ham luggage, and as a plus size person, it's like. For me to tra- like our clothes are bigger. For me to travel with just a hand luggage, like I'm not, I'm not getting much in there. I think that was her idea of an extreme, an extreme challenge to herself. Okay. Real quick digression. They were so excited about. They bonded over wanting to go to New York, and I was like, yes, yeah, this is the appropriate feeling you should have about New York. But then they had traveled <laughs> to a bunch of. At the end of this book, they had traveled to a bunch of different places, and they were like, well, New York is no this and that. And I was like, 
Yeah, but you're not living in those places. You want to live in New York. Yeah. But anyway, she put that on there. She put drive on a motorbike, which she did with Red. So those are the kind of things. So we thought we'll talk about what's on our our get a life list. And I think my big one, one of my big ones, is I want to go to England because I've never been. And I want to go to England around Christmas time. I want to spend Christmas in England. London probably specifically, or as close as I can get to it. But that I think... Really you can get to London. Yeah. I think that is one of my big ones. That's great. What's one of yours? Um, I've always wanted to do the the Camino in Spain, which is you walk like a pilgrim's um, journey, and it's like 30 miles or something from the south of France to this one town in um, in Spain. And that's something I've always, I had at the back of my mind of something that I want to do. This was to be like a bit of a spiritual journey. I am not um, Catholic or Christian, but I still like the idea of, of walking that I think could be really cool. Uh, I think another one would be cool because I've run a marathon before, but I'd like to run an ultra marathon, which would be <sighs> over the... 26.2 miles I would want to do maybe like a 50 miler or something like that wow just really beat the shit out of my body that and do the original Athens marathon what's that well that's like the the original run that marathon did that yeah and then he died cool. at the end that's he what they the don't end. tell you uh, but that was that was back in the day when it was like you know that was a lot of exertion for somebody now we've got shoes. We've got all, we've, we've got shoes. We, we've got hydration packs. We got everything. Yeah, you know. But that would be cool. That would be really. So they do it still in Athens. Yeah. So like it's 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 hard because a lot of it is like highway. <laughs> a lot of it they've just it's you know because they were like, like main roads back in the day. And yeah. So now yeah. So there was a gentleman who was an ultra marathoner and he wrote a book about doing it. And he ran in the same kind of he, – he ran in the same footwear that he would have ran in, in the same clothes and all that stuff. So he went nuts. <laughs> I would just want to run in regular running clothes. I think that would be very cool. Yeah, that is nuts. There's no need to run in leather sandals. No, it was, a, it was for a book. So he was like, this, I got to make this something different. Yeah. Because the, guy, the guys run hundreds of miles in a row. So it's him running any sort of marathon is not unique for him. So he had to do something that was a little extra. Yeah. I miss running. I ran like three halves in a year. Yeah, I, I know. Ran... When when I first met you, I think you were you and Pat were, were, you were running and then you got Pat into it. Yeah. I used to run a lot. But now with my back pain, my doctor was basically like, mm, you'll never run again. And I was like, cool. Don't believe your doctor. That's not true. I don't want to risk it. You will run again. <laughs> I believe you will run and again. And be in just extreme pain. Can you think of anything else? I know. Well, other things is like professional things. Like I want to sell a script. Yeah, I wasn't thinking a room. of professional yeah. stuff just because the career thing is, I think, for me, different. Yeah. Than this. This would be like things that I would want to do that are outside of the ordinary or that I'd be afraid to do. Yeah. I remember I wrote a list when I was like 13. The only thing I remember being on it is like I wanted to attend the Oscars. Oh, that's cool. And I remember somebody, one of my friends found it and read it and she laughed at me about attending the Oscars. And I was sort of like, screw you, because I'm also like, people go to those things. Like, it's not an impossibility. They have seat fillers. Well, not, I mean, I don't, my dream was not to be a seat filler, but it was also just like, 
I mean, it's not a, yeah. Anyway, where's that girl now? Not at the Oscars. Neither am I, but who knows? But you know what? She's dead. Oh. Or in prison. Yeah. Only two options. (laughs) All right, Clayton. What are your tropes? Redheaded hero. Web designer heroine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think, I think she was like a social media expert. No, she she designed his website. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, she was like old fashioned, like before Squarespace. Heroine with chronic pain. Bratty heroine. Rich heroine. Did she continue to have support from her family, money, monetarily? Do we do we know this or? Oh, we, we never nailed this? that down. She never talked about it, but yes. I love you. I hate you. I think they both kind of disliked each other for a little while. Did they? Yeah, enemies to lovers. Yeah, enemies to lovers. We've got big family because she's got a big family. Misunderstanding because there was a misunderstanding at the end, but uh, that's it. What are your tropes, Aaron? My tropes are enemies to lovers, uh, illness, a redheaded hero, black. Ha- She's black. I don't know if we ever talked about the interracialness. I guess it was so not called out. Not that it should be, but they they didn't. It was more class talk than race talk. Love amongst different classes. I think that was more important than the racial aspect, at least how it was written in the book. Mm-hmm. Although. Actually, not true, because there was a moment where sh- they walk into the gallery, mm-hmm. and she gets snooty looks, because cause she's she's black. Yeah. Yeah, and I think she's able to talk to him of a place of, like, yeah, people are going to say things, and you can't let everything in, because then you'll just be exhausted, which is a sad reality. Mm-hmm. Um, plus-size heroine, artist hero, rich heroine, poor hero. Which is not a trope we get enough, and I like it as a trope. Uh, motorcycle hero, uh, hero cooks for heroin. Remember, he comes over and she's very like wants to do everything herself. She doesn't want to be a burden to anybody, which is also like such a real thing. When I was having my back pain, where I like couldn't get up, and I had to wait for Pat to come like bring me to the bathroom, which was just humiliating. But it's like asking anyone to do anything for you is like really hard. Um, I'm gonna say something though, is that. A lot of times when guys cook for for women, it's stir fry. Mm-hmm. Up the game a little bit. Stir fry <laughs> is bush league. Now, it's great to be cooked for. I get it. And that first time you want to do stir fry, awesome. If you try to do that stir fry bullshit again the second time, you got to have different recipes. You got to do something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Just just throwing it out there, guys. You know. This is This is for the guys out there. Producer Patty isn't sitting in on this recording, but, you know. That's his favorite move whenever we are not knowing what to do for dinner. He's like, what if I made a stir fry? "Hmm." That's great. It's great any kind of cooking, but there is a level of if you really want to step up your game, you can do a stir fry and perfect that. But then after that. Like a risotto. Yeah, risotto's great. Something that could fail. Yes. Because you really, it's very hard to fail with a stir fry. You just put a bunch of shit in there and then make sure it doesn't burn. But yeah, something that takes a, a, a special touch. Mm-hmm. Risotto is perfect. Make yeah. some make some risotto. Blow it'll blow that person's mind, mm-hmm. whoever they may be. Yeah. Uh, isolated heroin because she spends a lot of her time just home alone in that apartment, which like felt very um, like the walls were closing in. Heroin with a list. Um, great cat. We love our smudge. 
Um, and then, yeah, that was my list. All right, Clayton, what has you swooning this week? So, this week, I seem to be talking a lot about TV recently, even though I claim to never watch TV. <laughs> there are a few shows that I do watch religiously, and one of those shows came back very recently. Better Call Saul. Oh, okay. Better Call Saul is one of my favorite shows. I think it is better than Breaking Bad. I said it. <laughs> and there's something about that show that I understand why certain people love TV because of it. Because every week I get to sit down and enter this world, and it gives me a specific feeling. And I don't, I can't put my finger on it, but it transports me to a place. And I'm so invested in those characters and those relationships that it is TV at its best, in my opinion, because even these small little pieces are moving in this direction that I feel like is just going to become super combustible. But I'm there for every little move. There's times in that show where it's just you can't be looking on your phone. You can't be paying attention to anything but the screen and you are rewarded for it. So Better Call Saul, it's on AMC. Everybody knows Better Call Saul. It's like it's not like I'm uncovering this hidden gem. Nice. What um, season is it? It is in its fifth season. Okay. Penultimate season. I believe next season oh, really? is the last season. Yeah. So, Aaron, what has you swooning? A TV show on Netflix called Hentified. Um, I'm biased because my friend produced this and directed episode three and four. Um, but it is a great series. Um, it is about two siblings and their cousin who live in Boyle Heights in Los Angeles uh, and sort of about a little bit about gentrification, about how sort of things are changing, trying to stay true to like who they are and their roots, as well as, you know, be adults and grow within their fields and be who they want to be. Um, it's really funny and well written um, and warm. And I watched basically the entire season in one afternoon accidentally. I meant to watch one episode and then I was just there forever. Um, so it's a great show to watch. So Huntified. Nice. Yeah. So Aaron, where can they find us? So you can always um, email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. We love getting recommendations, just saying hi. If you have any thoughts, if we said a name wrong, you know, we want to know, but you know it'll stick with us. Um, we're on Twitter at Learning Tropes and on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. Uh, we also have our Facebook group, the Learning the Tropes Troop, which you can always jump in. Um, it's been great for a lot of people who have been getting some really great recommendations on there. Also, I would say, did you say rate, review, and subscribe? I was just about to. Nice, because we got to rate and review. Now, you guys are really good at it. The reviews have slowed down a tiny bit. <laughs> so if you haven't done it yet, just shoot over to Apple Podcasts, five-star it. You don't have to write anything. I know a lot of people get review fright. They're not sure. Like, I do this. I want to review something. Like, I'm not as eloquent as I want to be here and blah, blah, blah. Just give five stars. They appreciate it. We appreciate it. So that'd be awesome. Um, and then next week, so the book is Star Champion Number 4 by Susan Grant. It also is called The Champion of Baresh. So look for either title. As I was researching this, I realized it's showing up as both. So Star Champion Number 4, The Champion of Baresh by Susan Grant. Did we read the same book? 
I hope we read the same oh, line. We're about to find out. <laughs> Tune in next week to find out if we read the same book. <laughs> That'd be unprecedented. <laughs> I think I did. I think I read the red I, right book. I really hope you did. <laughs> this would be funny if I didn't. <laughs> All right, and finally, Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media backslash podcast. Bye, guys. Bye.